Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out. Can we talk about the mass awakening of 2020? And you're probably like, when was the mass awakening of 2020? Oh, you remember when uh, George Floyd was murdered, and then all of a sudden people were like, wait a minute, racism is real? It's a thing? And a lot of people woke up. A lot more people than... I could have even imagined. I thought we all understood that racism was alive and well. I did not understand that there could even be a mass awakening, but it happened. The mass awakening of 2020. It was shocking, and yet it was real. So many people were waking up. Now, we've been talking about white supremacy since 2020. I mean, we've been talking, most of us, not most of us, no, that's an example. A lot of us have been talking about white supremacy for a long time and have recognized that it has been, is, And we don't want it to always be a problem. But the mass awakening of 2020 really brought a lot more people on board that were like, what is this white supremacy and what does it mean? And how do we unpack it? And just all of these things. Now, of course, I can tell you that white supremacy is bad. And to be clear, it it is. But lots of things are bad, right? And we just keep going on about our lives because it doesn't impact us. And maybe you're white and you do feel bad that white supremacy exists, but you don't really do much to dismantle it. And I get it because sometimes it's hard not to care about something if it doesn't directly impact you. But as an empath, I got to tell you, that's extremely difficult for me to not absorb the problems of the world. So I care about all the things. I've always cared about all the things. And honestly, it's exhausting. But here's the thing. White supremacy is bad for everyone. And I'm not just saying that because I am a Black woman. And even those of you who think that it doesn't impact you, I promise you that it does. And if by chance you can't believe a Black woman, because of course I'm biased and I'm going to tell you, well, white supremacy is bad. The good news is, is I have a white man here today and he can tell you also that white supremacy is not just bad for me and people who look like me. White supremacy is bad for all of us. Ryan Verdon is so dope. Okay, let me just name that. Ryan Verdon is so dope. He's an educator, an author, and cultural worker based in my hometown, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ryan works with individuals and organizations to develop mindsets. Mindsets. (laughs) You hear that? And build skills for communication across lines of difference. He is particularly interested in looking at the intersections of race, come on now, class, and gender. He has authored several pieces, which can be found at Teaching for Tolerance, The Good Men Project, Twin Cities Daily Planet, Teaching While White, among several other platforms. 
Ryan has a bachelor's degree in social studies, as well as MLS and MED degrees focused on critical studies, equity, and inclusion. Let's go, DEI. Come on now. Currently, Ryan serves as adjunct faculty teaching justice and peace studies course and serves as the executive director of Lear Cultural Coaching. And he can be reached at info at learculturalcoaching.com. Ryan, you got to tell me, and I, I hope this doesn't come across weird, but how did you turn out the way that you are? Yeah, so, like, it, it's really not that weird a question to me anymore. Like, you're the third person this month that's asked me that. And so I, I you know, it's, it's what, not even why a weird do you question. Think people, why do you think people are asking you that? You know that you... Sh- you've got to know that you show up in the world different. And when I when I talk about different, right, like, I feel like I, I see... I feel like I know a lot of people... And a lot of people are not racist, but I think that there are very few people who are anti-racist. And I feel like you are practicing anti-racism. And I think you show up in the world differently because of that. And so when I say, like, how are you the way that you are? Like, to be real, I feel like there were times where I used to be mad at your wokeness. Like, you were more woke than me. And I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's so much to respond to right there. Oh, uh, one, I'm glad that it that it feels like I show up anti-racist. That is the goal, or it feels like um I show up differently. That is a goal. Um, I remember like one of the first times being on Hamlin University's campus. That's where I went. Mm-hmm. And I feeling like I don't want to be like them, like them. And whoever that them was at that time, uh, and when I'm really honest, it was rich white people, mm-hmm. right? And I was leading with class. Um, and so, you know, to answer to answer your question, like, I really got to start by giving my mom and dad props and just acknowledging, like, uh, they they raised me to not judge people. We went through our own stuff as a family. Can we cuss on here? Can we cuss yeah, on here? Yeah, of course. You, you okay. get to be your full oh, I was please. like, okay, hold on. Let me keep it a buck. Like, yes. yeah, we went through shit. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Like, we were poor. We were scrappy. And, uh, you know, my parents... They they weren't going for anybody, you know, judging or trying to put on a front for anybody. Was I grew up hearing often, like, if not for the grace of God, there go I. And so mm-hmm. we weren't in a position to to think we were superior or, or you know to judge anybody for what they were going through. It was we could recognize struggle and, and the yeah. beauty in the struggle. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, and, and, and we were also raised colorblind, right? So it was it led naturally to this whole idea of like you know, Dr. King being taken out of context and judge people by their character, not the color of their skin. Um, and so I, I took that. That was that was that was real. And we could do a whole whole episodes on the failure of colorblind ideology oh, and yes. all that. Which I learned about later, obviously. But I mean I can't answer that question without talking about that part that was instilled in yeah. me, right? Was like a real genuine when people say like, oh we why can't we all just be human? Like, that was legit my family, right? They were like, no, we're all human. That was it. That's not to say that we didn't benefit from whiteness, because we did, right? right? And and I went through, like, learnings and messing up and being angry about it. But I think the thing that I always, I came back to, um, and like I said, I was leading with class uh, at at Hamlin, is I knew the world wasn't right. Mm. And so when I found out... Come on, Ryan. ...that... You know, one of the things that made the world not right was this thing called race and this thing. And I landed in this category called white. Mm. It, I, it wasn't easy for me not to take it personally. And I wish I could say that was from Jump Street. I didn't take it personally. I didn't. Christina, if you're listening, 
I apologize again for for snapping off the first time she tried to put me on game about white privilege. Oh my uh, god! Oh, so okay, hold up. So this is yeah. me. So back then, because uh, you know, well, one, I think so many of us have to learn to check our egos. Period. Right? Yeah. Like it. It is. It is a. You know, when you learn to check your ego and you really learn to hear somebody else or what. So you mean to tell me that my woke ass friend Ryan. <laughs> did you denied white privilege at one point? No, yeah, absolutely. I was all about, I, wow. like I'll tell the story. I hope she. I know she don't mind. Yeah, uh, please tell the story. Yeah, I, I'll tell I, the story. I'm, I've I'm asked like- her permission to tell this story before, so I know she won't mind. But okay. uh, yeah, my high school girlfriend. Uh, oh, it had to be senior year sometime. I forget, but I was complaining about something that I didn't feel was fair um, from. Uh, one of our high school football coaches. Now, keep mm-hmm. in mind, I'm not a very good football player. I just want to be clear about that right now. Like, I'm really comfortable. I'm good at a lot of shit. What, like, not it. Football wasn't it. I, like, I had no really reason to complain. So anybody that, that knew me or, you know, like, please don't jump in the comment threads right now talking about he was trash. We know. That's not the point. <laughs> Okay. But, yes. The point was, I was complaining like, "Oh, he don't like white people." He said white people can't run the ball or can't ain't doing this. Um, one of our coaches, and she was like, "Hey," uh, and I was like, "He's racist." And oh. Christina was like, "Yeah, that's not really that's not the appropriate. That's not how we should understand what's happening or what's happening to you." And I was like, eh, "What? You know what I mean? Like, of course it is. Judge, you know the typical like, well, common yeah. thing, right? Like." He's judging me based off the color of my skin. Of course, that's racist. We're all equal, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, and she tried to talk about power and privilege, and she was telling me that, and uh, I clung to the privilege, right? Like, how are you going to say I'm privileged? I'm, I eat ramen. You know I'm working yep. for, I grew for up cash poor. under the table. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, look at where we're at. There's really rich people here who are privileged. How could you say that? that? And uh, that was the first time that I, I got put on game about, like, what privilege was, and it took me a minute to to come back and say, um, you know, po- apologize to her and be like, yo, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. But oh, when wow. I got to that place, it really, it it really wasn't. And, and there's dynamics about like your girlfriend checking a lot of masculinity in there too. I think, um, mm-hmm. but it oh, didn't yeah, take me long. A lot of those things that that flare that ego. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? I was young. I'm like 17, 18, maybe. Um, but it didn't take me long to to read like um, Peggy McIntosh's "Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack," mm-hmm. uh, Tim Wise, some of his work, "White Like Me," and some of his articles to realize that privilege had nothing to do with me as a person. Right. It was an example of systems benefiting groups of people to keep the shit that was fucking my life up in place. Right, like the reason why. Um, well, yeah, like. The hardest working people I knew and still know are working class poor people. Yeah. And one of the reasons that that is the way that it is is because of white supremacy. Like white supremacy justifies that. And so it was really easy for me to get into it and see the convergence of my interest and the world that I wanted to live in with the dismantling of white supremacy, which is why I talk so much about. Yes. It's good for me to want to see racism gone. For selfish reasons, Ryan, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep it real. For selfish reasons, I said, I got to get Ryan on this podcast because, you know, when I talk about racism or when I talk about my experiences um, 
as a as a black woman, right? Or or whenever I talk about my it's like people forget sometimes on the social media, right? It's like they yeah, forget oh, that look. I'm black. Because when I start to to remind them or I tell them about my blackness or remind them that I'm raising black children or remind them that I have a black partner or I love black people or I'm very right. pro-black, not to not saying I'm not against anybody else, but I love my people and I rise for my people. And I am mind blown by the response. Like what what happens when I when I do that? Yeah. And so I said I've seen some of that. You're a G, by the way. Thank you. I <laughs> and appreciate social media I've is, handled some of is that. Is a stuff, hell. Right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I can't even I can't even respond, and I'm like Ryan. There's someone I would really love for you to educate on on this yeah. here Instagram. So please do that. But I, I'm mind blown by some of some of the the comments and the responses and the things that um, I encounter, and I think about like no matter how whatever, there's there's always a, a lot of um, peach people that pop up on me and they're like, no, like, don't you, don't you remember that your mom is white? Which she's not, by the way. She passes very much so. But her dad was black, right? And also, who are you to tell me about me? And like that, that entitlement. And so if I were to come on here and, and I say those things, Ryan, if I say, hey, this the entitlement you're showing when you pop into my DMs, and you require these things of me, and you want me to do this for free, you want me to relive my trauma, you want me to give you my pain, and you demand it. You're not even asking half the time. You demand right. me tell you these things. They would call me aggressive, and they would say all these things, but they need someone like you. Like, when we talk about white if I said to white people, hey, white people, I really think white supremacy is bad for you, too. What? So for selfish <laughs> reasons, Ryan, I said, I got to get Ryan on the podcast because this is a white person who literally says that white supremacy is bad for white people too. And maybe, just maybe, because he's white and he's a man, they'll listen to him. I, look, I hope so because I'm not... I, it's selfish for me to be here too because, again, I, I really believe that. Like, I want more people to understand how poisonous and toxic white supremacy is. And my role in that is people who look like me, is other white people mm. to say like, hey, um, you know, yes, we get these things and we're socialized to, to you know, in, in these certain ways, but really it's killing us. Really it's, it's, it's disconnecting our spirits, our souls, our, our really that thing inside us that says like, yo, we got we can treat people right. Right. It, it's 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 dull in that light. And so we gotta we gotta figure this out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So when when you talk about like white supremacy being bad for white people, like, you know, a lot of people would laugh at that. They'd be like, what are you even talking about? And and, and I'll tell you, as a Black person, I used to think, like, why on earth? Would, I, I would think about the good white people in my life, right? White people yeah. that, who I feel safer with than most, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, as a Black person, I don't feel safe with all white people. All white people are not treated equally around here because if I don't feel safe around you, I'm sorry, I, that's, that's not for me, Right. Even them, they don't fight as hard as I think they should, right? They don't. Like, it's just, it, I'm just going to call spade a spade. I got a lot of really good white people in my life, and still, sometimes it feels like I'm out here on an island. So let's just say that, because that's real. Um, yeah. I'm really sorry that that's your reality. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, yeah. That and that's what it feels like. Even even though, you know, the, some of the closest people to me happen to be white people, peach people, but I will tell you, it feels very isolating because um, it doesn't feel like everyone is fighting as hard as me. And so they're as far hard as me for the people who look like me, right? And so, like, I do show so much love to people like you and people who, you know, you don't have to do this work. Well, here's the, here's the, the thing. You do have to do this work. Yeah. Because you can exist in the world looking like you safer than I can. For sure. Yeah. So when I say you don't have to do this work, I'm glad you're doing this work. And and if you believe what you actually believe, that white supremacy is bad for people, uh, bad for all people, bad for white people too, then of course you have to do this work. But right. everybody don't think like you, Ryan. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I hope I hope more people do. And, and here's the thing. So, man, I, I really am like super geeked about this conversation because I think it, it demonstrates kind of where we're at in the world right now, mm-hmm. um, particularly after the murder, murder of, of George, George Floyd, right? Um, where folks who look like me are like, ooh, I really got to engage and I have to figure out a more sophisticated way to engage because what I was doing before isn't really working, right? Right. And unfortunately, what, what we're seeing is like a lot of white people are opting out of that. To be honest, like the data says, oh, yeah. and the, the the data says less people, there's less support for Black Lives Matter right now than there was before George Floyd murdered, was murdered, right? So a lot of people feel like they, they're like, hey, we did it, show oh, them to jail, part. we're good, right? And it's like, no, we're not. But the other piece of that is then it's opening up this conversation where yeah. what I think it happens, what I've experienced happens, um, and this is, I want to talk directly to your white listeners right now and on IG. Hey, what up? Don't don't jump in her in her threads. Come holler at me if you need to. <laughs> but um, I think there's a lot of really well-intentioned white people who don't want to make mistakes mm. and don't feel like they know what to say, so they don't say anything. Not realizing that in not saying something. You are Absolutely. causing so much harm. Absolutely. Be- and, and, and there's a reason for that. you say something. Well, there's a reason for that, right? And and, uh, and there's also this contingent, though, too. Uh, I don't want to say I think this group is larger than I think some people might might think there is. Except for on the right. I think the right believes that this group is 
is larger than it is, but I think they're closer to what it actually is than the left. Mm-hmm. There's this group of white people who understand what I call privileged discourse. So they understand they're privileged. And one of the things that, or how they believe they're interrupting their privilege is by not taking up space and not speaking on this and not acting like they benefit from the dismantling of white supremacy, which I understand. I'm not saying white people, let's get out here and take up space. You know what I mean? And like lead the Black Lives Matter marches and all that. Nor am I saying that we don't have privilege. We do. For sure. What I am saying, though, is that it is in our interest to use that privilege and access to dismantle systems. And it is okay to say that. It is okay to tell, to tell a judge and, 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 you know what I mean, to use, to, to yeah. talk to your manager or if you're a hiring manager, it is okay to say, I am going to be conscious about how race is impacting the decisions I'm making today. Yep. Right. And and, it, and yes, that comes with a ton of personal work that needs to be done. Right. But that's like, what's it's the, hard. That's the problem, though, Ryan. Everybody's not. They don't want to do that work. That's Some people hard. are so OK. <laughs> yeah. it, it is very hard. And here's the mm-hmm. here's the thing I always say. And I love these conversations because sometimes people are like, what? You know, you're not the only one who grew up in this racist-ass world. I did too, right? And so what that means is, is that I learned some oppressive ways myself. If you think that I have not shown myself uh, racial oppression, if you think I have not been internally racist to myself, if you think that I have not internalized that I could never be the standard of beauty back then because a sister is dripping in melanin and she loves it these days. So let's not, let me just name that, okay? But back then... I legitimately didn't think, I believed what the world was telling me. The same thing the world is telling you, the same thing that the world is telling all the listeners. Like, it's always told this. So unless we tell it something else, unless we actually say something, it's going to keep saying that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's an important shift in understanding, which is why, like, uh, like back connecting to what we were just talking about, like, why Why do so many people choose not to say anything or they're so afraid to making a mistake? Is it, it's because we've, we have taught generations that racism is about your character. It's about your moral fiber. It's about whether you look at somebody and like them or not, yep. right? So we spend all our energy talking about goofballs like, uh, you know, Donald Trump or Richard Spencer or anything like that. And I don't know yeah. how many right-wingers you got listening to you, but we can have that conversation. They know how I feel. It's fine. Right. Um, but we debate whether or not they're racist. And what's adequate, uh, what's adequate evidence is somebody who, quote-unquote, knows them for X amount of years or even for a little bit and says, I know yeah. there's not a racist bone in their body. As if the racism lives in your is is about your bones and your bone marrow, rather than the fact that you looked at a resume, saw an ethnic sounding name, and were fifty percent less likely to go give that person an interview. Right? Yeah. You don't have to hate black people to no. have that socializing force happen and make you that true in your reality. You don't even have to realize it. You don't realize it most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we and that's true whether or not you're white or black as a hiring manager. Right. Mm -hmm. When we don't understand whiteness as a socializing force that justifies the social order, whether we're whether that's the class order, the, you know, gendered patriarchy, all of those things, the heteronormativity, 
when we don't understand these things as socializing forces and not personal character flaws, then we're ill-equipped to, to, to fight it. We're, we won't make the gains that we need to, which is why so many people are like, it's 2021 and we're talking about this? It's like, yeah, yeah. because we still ain't talking about it. Yeah, we're still exactly. talking about it as, oh, did Derek Chauvin hate George Floyd? Probably, because fuck that dude. But yep. it actually don't matter because there was three other cops there that the Star Tribune is writing all about, oh, he wanted to change the police force. King wanted to change the police force. Well, why he didn't stop that from happening? Right. That's the question that we should be asking. And it has everything to do with white supremacy, not as a Klan's member or Nazis, because they certainly are. I don't want to say that they're not, but it's Mm -hmm. so much more than that. And we have to be able to have that conversation. Otherwise, we we're not uh, uh, we're not we're not going to go anywhere. And that conversation starts with white people because white people created this in colonial America. And so that's why I always I lean on when James Baldwin said. If you think of yourself as white, I'm paraphrasing. So if any of there's a Baldwin scholar listening, like the quote might be slightly off, but paraphrasing, he said, is, if you think of yourself as white, there's no hope for you. Because as soon as you think of you're white, I'm forced to think I'm black, which automatically limit, like puts us in this binary, right? Of like, you're either this or you're that. Yep. And, and, and that's not a place where we can realize our full humanity or experience what I would think of as freedom. Okay, so if y'all cannot figure out by now that my friend is very smart, okay, and he will help you unlearn some of the crazy racist things you got going on. Look, and we'll unlearn to together. We will unlearn right? together. We all got to unlearn. I'm talking about me too, right? Like we. Yeah, we me too. That's what I'm saying. You going like, to help me unlearn. Yes, it's a part, you know, it's a journey, right? And I, Claire, my best friend, you know my best friend, but Claire, my best friend, she always says like, you know, one of the things she she says to me a lot is that, like, there's nobody like you. Like, I don't know somebody who just always stands up for, like, you just you just do it all the time. And you do it, so, and it may, it's easy for you. And, you know, and I'm like, nah, it's, it's not easy. It's not, but it's necessary. And I think the reason why it's necessary, and I think the reason why, like, we connect, Ryan, is because it is about, for me, it's so much bigger. It is about the world I actually want to live in. You know, yeah. in the world I want us all to live in, like, right? It's like that that shift of from me to we. And I think so yeah. many people, so many people are still so rooted in me that even the idea of thinking about the collective, thinking about what's good for all of us is, it, it almost feels like you're assaulting what they've worked so hard for. It's like, no, you you worked hard and you get all these things and that's amazing. And also you should be a good human and you should care that there are other humans who have no access to this. Right. And, well, and the and, systems keep upholding it. And you have yeah. to know by now. You have to know by now. If you don't know, you you ain't Look, never gonna know. And this is, I don't want to get too radical and too, too into that shit, but it's like, one is we're taught that, right? Like, for, in order for our economy to function, we have to think of ourselves as individuals. And, like, individuality is a real thing that gets that gets elevated. And I'm not saying there's no benefits to individuality. I personally love the, you know, the, the ways that I can individualize myself or separate myself. Absolutely. Right? I like nice things. I have lots of shoes. I like clothes. I like, you know, all those things. I'm not saying none of that's bad. But when we can't contextualize ourselves within a healthy community— it really don't matter what we got. 
No. Because, and this is, again, why we benefit from the dismantling of, of white supremacy is at some point, there ain't going to be a big enough wall. There ain't going to be a strong enough lock. There ain't going to be a big enough gun or enough bullets to keep motherfuckers who ain't got shit from coming to get your shit. Right. Because or, when people are, are done, when people have hit rock bottom, when the struggle is when you've done everything and you still can't get nothing. Right. You're and, going and to take a, it. Even on a more real, and this is like what's wild to me of like, I think that this, this, this worldview is shifting right now because look at the world that we're living in. America has lived in this space of like, we're exceptional, we're this and that. And COVID is here, killing us way more than anybody else. And the reason it's killing us more than anybody else is because we act like, I got to put a mask on? Why would I do that? To stop you from getting sick? As if that person getting sick don't got nothing to do with your own health. Exactly. When of course it does. Because your baby's got to go to school. Yeah, you want to go out and eat? You want to do all these things? Well, everybody's got to be healthy to do that. Right? And now, and then, you know, it's just wild to me. Like, we're in a global pandemic. Which, by definition, means we are all connected. It's a global thing. There is no such thing as that. Except we're not. (laughs) Yeah. When climate change comes, it don't matter what mansion you have on Florida. That shit is going underwater. Right. And the way that we've socialized people in our, in this society is, I mean, look at what Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are doing. Right. Like, let's go to space. Let's just find the place Listen. where there's not this. As opposed to, hey, let's work together and solve these problems and create a more healthy world. If I'm the interested you, in the more healthy think, world. If you don't think Bezos and Elon Musk are planning their escape, y'all are tripping. Look. They got all the money <laughs> in the world to plan. I say what you Yo. want. I don't care. They they are planning their escape. Okay? They are planning their escape. Meanwhile, they have enough money to help us all. But we have this, this mentality where it's, I got to be okay. And, and I get that, right? Like, we all innately want to take care. One, always save you. Okay? Take care of yeah. yourself. So I don't want people to think like I'm saying, oh, you can't. No. I care about myself. I, there is nobody who loves me more than me. Trust that, okay? Because I know in loving myself and protecting my peace and, and shining my light that that is how I help people. I, I keep my light strong because then my light can ignite other lights, right? So, like, I, I'm, I'm mindful of these things. But if you think for one second these billionaires who have money to help so many people, if you think that those, those millions don't make them feel good... Look, no. And... Uh, thank you. That's what I'm saying is like, and ultimately, one, there's this idea of like scarcity, right? Like that if somehow Jeff Bezos is taxed, then uh, the ne- the middle manager person or whatever won't have enough or something like that. It's like, that's wild. That's not true. Like there's so much out here. There's we so could much. all be good. We could all be yeah. good. We could all be good, right? And like, so this this idea of scarcity is nonsense. But also the shit that makes us happy isn't even the things we can buy. What really fulfills us is genuine relationship. It's being physical, like having your health. It's being able to be outside in nature, right? Mm -hmm. And like connected to creation. These are the things, love, being loved and to love somebody. Come on These are the things that make us happy. And so white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, what bell hooks calls the, all of that, like, 
that stop, those are obstacles to those things. You working yourself to death for the, this family that you love. Stop doing that. Stop working yourself to death. Working yourself for to real. death. Not realizing that, like, you, you know, you, I saw a video this week, Ryan. I saw a video of this mom in labor. And she's talking to her, somebody who's in the delivery room with her, and she's writing to her boss like, hi, I'm not going to be able to come in because, LOL, my water broke, I'm in labor. And the job responds to her, well, um, that's fine, but this is going to have to be, you know, uh, some type of, your, whatever, some some inhumane What shit kind of that, PTO do you got? This is going to yes, come out your, your sick time hope, type stuff. Yes, like giving birth as a disease as opposed to the most beautiful thing you could do. Exactly. It's like people have lost their humanity. And I think when we start to remember, right, when we start to remember that, of course, white supremacy is bad for white people because white supremacy is bad for everyone. Everybody. Because it's it's bad. It's just bad. Right. Like, we know well, the look, difference between right and wrong. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's, it's funny, too, when we I talk to—we're both educators, work in education— and mm-hmm. one of the things that is true, like, especially when, you know, it's like universal design, like the, the, the and, and disability justice and yeah, ableism, mm-hmm. right? It's like um, all of those things. It's like if you create spaces that are accessible and where the most and remove the abs- obstacles for the most challenged groups or, you know, the, the ones that are the yeah. most marginalized. Everybody, everybody benefits. benefits when you create an assignment that's accessible and scaffolded for, you know, the, the student with the, the most severe learning disabilities, your most high-flying student actually benefits from that. Your yeah, most, exactly. you know what I mean? The one that comes, they actually benefit from all that. I hope people are listening. I think it's so important. But like, yeah, when you talk about like UDL, right? So I legitimately, I, I, I went into education and certified as a special educator. I was, uh, I changed schools, I moved, and the position that was here for me this year is a general educator, but I also still teach students with IEPs. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Sometimes people are like, oh, you know, like, they're like, oh, but you have, um, you you know, but you have some kids in your class with IEPs or you're, you, and I'm like, yeah, I know. And they're like, isn't that hard? And I'm like, let me tell you something. Let me, let me explain to you how much everybody benefits from this. Right. Let me tell you how me being a special educator makes me a genius general educator, right? Right. Because now my, my gen ed babies who are struggling but maybe don't have an IEP, they have someone who can put that special educator cap on. You know why? Because it's a cap I never take off. I give people what they need to be successful. That is right. equity. Right. Right. They don't all need Let's the same go. thing. And it doesn't matter if some of them have IEPs and some of them don't. The some of them that don't also need me to find a way to teach them so that they can learn that way, right? Like, right. find it. Figure it out. Like, it, it's mind-blowing to me that we still have to teach grown-ass adults equity. Why do you get that and I don't? Yo. But th- that sorry, idea. what? That, that is the most frustrating thing to me too is because these the the adults like looking around I'm like where in the world do you see that where in our society are we encouraged for that right like this idea of of fair and then you turn around though and say well we're going to do something to remedy the unfairness that marginalized groups have seen like take BIPOC communities communities of color we're going to explicitly address that harm right um and then all of a sudden, now y'all concerned about being fair. 
Yes, these are the conversations that make me just so happy, right? Like we're growing, we're learning, we're unlearning all the things, it's amazing. And listen, we're just getting started. Of course, we have more of this amazing conversation coming next week. I promise you Ryan was gonna show up and be super dope and he delivered and he's gonna continue to deliver next week. So make sure you tune in for that. If you have a question you would like us to answer, you know what to do. Send a voice memo to hahopodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at hahopodcast. I'm your host, Miss Danielle, and our executive producer is Emma Martins. Help a Human Out is produced by Red Rock Music and is powered by Acast. We'll see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.